Ladies and gentlemen, warning, spoilers ahead. In here, I'm the guy who can get things for you, sure, but outside, all you need is the yellow pages. Hell, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Pacific Ocean? Shit. About to scare me to death, something that big. Not me. I didn't shoot my wife, and I didn't shoot her lover. Whatever mistakes I made, I paid for them, and then some. That hotel, that boat, I don't think that's too much to ask. I don't think you ought to be doing this to yourself, Andy. This is just shitty pipe dreams. I mean, Mexico is way to hell down there, and you're in here, and that's the way it is. Yeah, right. That's the way it is. It's down there, and I'm in here. I guess it comes down to a simple choice, really. Get busy living, or get busy dying. Good evening, and welcome to television. Hello. Hello. Hey. hey. Oh, whoa. I'm a Philip Hunting. And I'm a Wayne Stellini. Welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review films, everything from the mainstream to the obscure. Hey, Philip. Yes. What have you been watching since our last podcast? I have been watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, now this is a title that's come up before. Still obsessed? Yes, still obsessed. Still loving it. Still awesome. So, Kirsten and I didn't watch it on SBS when it came out. <laughs> so, us like suckers had to wait till it came out on Netflix. <laughs> okay. So, we've been streaming it there and we've just caught up on SBS as well. Oh, so okay. we're now caught up! Yay! Awesome still. We got there and still loving it. Still loving it. Yeah. You know how they sort of have, you, you look at eras and go, oh, yeah, there's those handful of shows that define those eras. Yeah. I honestly think Brooklyn Nine-Nine is we're going to look back and look at that as one of them for the 2010s. Wow. Sort of 2010s yeah. heading into the... Yeah. I have to say, Philip, I haven't actually ventured really into Brooklyn Nine-Nine. You showed me the pilot episode mm. and I really enjoyed it. Mm. But I haven't then gone on to continue no, watching. No, no, that's fair enough. I feel like, though, it's a show that I really do want to watch and get into. I feel so. I think the big problem we have these days, especially with all the different streaming services, yeah. is that we're so spoilt for choice. Yeah. In the 90s and before that... Yeah. You sat down to Will and Grace because it was on at the same time every day, or, you know, every week, whatever. You sat down to um, MASH in the the 70s because... It was on. It was on. That was what you watched. Everyone watched it. Everyone flushed the toilet at the same second and killed the the plumbing system. In the finale, (laughs) they most certainly did, yes. I know that story. Whereas now... Everyone, you can watch it however you want. You can watch it... And wherever you want. And wherever you want. And you've got in the back of your head, oh, that will be... I mean, that's why we missed season six on SBS, because we're so used... Kirsten and I are so used to now being like, oh, we'll watch that later. Because it'll always be there. It'll always be there. I mean, do you find, like myself, is the My Watch List on your Netflix and on your stand and on SBS On Demand, all of those... Is huge. huge. And you just keep adding to it. Yeah. Oh, I'll watch that later. (laughs) Yeah. And then these things aren't there forever like we think Mm. they are because they have expiries. We (sighs) lose content. And then you're like, oh, I'll get around to watching that. You're like, where'd it go? (laughs) Kirsten and I got up to season five of the Dick Van Dyke show. Right. And then they 
cut it off. Yes. And we've not been able to find it anywhere else. We can get the DVD pack. Two hundred and something dollars. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> don't know if we'll love it that much. But the, no. one, the one thing that I actually wish that subscription platforms such as Netflix and Stan did was at least give you an expiry date. Yeah. So one of my favorite streaming services is actually SBS On Demand. Yeah. Not only do I love the quality of the content that is on there and the diversity of the content that it's there. Mm. It's usually there for quite a while as well, at least a year. Yeah. And they've got expiry dates. And if you throw it on your list as a watch list, you get notifications when it's about to expire. Yeah. Like it is such a user friendly service. Yeah. And one thing that I've actually been watching for since our last podcast was on SBS On Demand. Nice. Because like you... I do the whole thing. Oh, okay. Yep. That's on SBS. Oh, it'll be on demand, <laughs> which isn't a, a, a hard, fast rule, by the way. Yeah, no. <laughs> that's, that's the depressing bit. You take it for granted that everything yeah. will yeah. be on a catch up service, but it's not. This one thankfully was. So I don't know if you know this about me, but I am a wrestling fan from way back. Oh. So yeah. So through the eighties and nineties specifically, I don't follow it that much now, but I grew up watching WWF as it was called. Then. Favorite wrestler. My favorite wrestler growing up as a kid was the ultimate warrior. <sighs> Absolutely loved him. And, you know, they're gorgeous, colourful characters. But I've been watching a documentary series called The Dark Side of the Ring. And it's about some of the more, you know, sordid, controversial and mysterious stories of these wrestlers. And even when it discusses wrestlers that I wasn't familiar with or didn't know too much about, I was absolutely hooked. (laughs) A short series, Mm -hmm. six episodes, and unlike me, downed it all in one day. <laughs> I was riveted. It yeah. was such an interesting documentary. Nice. And I'm tempted to think that even those who may not be into the sport of wrestling would find it fascinating nonetheless. Yeah. Because it's one of those rare sports where the public persona and the private person, their lives sort of cross mm. very much over because wrestling is scripted. The winners mm-hmm. are predetermined. But that doesn't take away the athleticism of the men and women who wrestle. And also what the corporation does is they tend to draw real life personal things from the wrestlers and circumstances and feed them into the storylines. Yeah. So it's fascinating to Mm. watch, but it's problematic too, as this series explores. So, yeah, so you and I both have been streaming stuff. Yes, yes. (laughs) I I definitely think I might have to watch that myself. Um, Never been a huge wrestling fan, but I did watch it when I was younger with a good friend of mine. Yeah. And so definitely I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, it's, 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 I was so overwhelmed at how much I was into these stories, again, even of wrestlers that I'd never heard of before. And how a lot of these stories overlap because, you know, they're all from the same Mm. industry and, and sport and, and timeline really yeah but yeah but no highly recommend dark side of the ring beautiful so philip what are we reviewing today today we're reviewing the 1994 american classic the shawshank redemption tell us about it janet (laughs) the shawshank redemption tells the story of banker andy dufresne tim robbins who is sentenced to life in Shawshank State Penitentiary for the murders of his wife and her lover, despite his claims of innocence. Over the following decades, he befriends a fellow prisoner, contraband smuggler Ellis Red Redding, Morgan Freeman, and becomes instrumental in a money laundering scheme led by the prison warden Samuel Norton, Bob Gunton. Wayne. What did you think of the Shawshank Redemption? 
Well, you know, Philip, I've seen the Shawshank Redemption quite a few times, probably half a dozen, actually. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that strikes me about it is that a lot of classic movies are made before our lifetime. Yep. You know, we've reviewed some of them ourselves. Wizard of Oz, Psycho, Gone with the Wind, mm. and a lot of other great films as well. But it's interesting to have a film that you know is a masterpiece mm. and that will stand the test of time mm. decades and decades and decades long after we're gone. This is a film yeah. that people will reflect on as a must-see masterpiece. Mm. It's a film that will be studied by filmmakers. It's beloved. It will be watched over and over again. It will always be held in high esteem. Mm. So, with that summary of my thoughts <laughs> of The Shank Redemption... It's probably no surprise that I absolutely love this Mm, movie. It mm. is completely compelling. It is a beautiful story. It is so well told. The pacing of it is absolute perfection because it takes its time in us getting to know this world, getting to know how the system works, following Andy as he rises in the ranks, using his brain, the way he befriends Red and then gains the trust of all the other prisoners as well as the officers and the warden, and just works his way through the system of Shawshank. It's not a perfect system. It's incredibly corrupt, but he uses it to his advantage, Mm. and he uses it to survive. Mm. There's a lot of familiar tropes here about prison life and prison dramas, prison stories. When films are set in an institution, such as a prison or a school or anything like that, where there are strict rules and there's this immediate rebellion or this Mm. anti-establishment feeling i really like those stories (laughs) and the shawshank redemption is one of the better ones i feel and one of the things that really struck me watching it today was i love that it's essentially a love letter from one friend to another Mm. we've got red narrating this story and his focus really is andy Mm-hmm. The whole way through. And it could possibly just be that exquisite Morgan Freeman voice. Yeah. But you get straight away that Red has absolute love and affection for him, as good friends do. Mm. Like, you really believe their friendship. Yeah. You believe everything about it. You believe that these boys will put themselves on the line for one another. And because you believe that, the way the film concludes is incredibly sweet and really rewarding. So I have very few critiques of the Shawshank Redemption, if any, let's be honest, but we'll find out as we dissect the film a bit more. But yeah, Phil, you brought it to me today. (laughs) Your your overall thoughts, what inspired you to bring it for discussion today? So in terms of, you know, big movies, this is... Mm. Again, I've talked about my favourite movies in the past. Yeah. This is one of the favourites. Yeah. So, again, I talk about favourite sci-fi, Star Wars Empire Strikes Back. Mm. Favourite war film, Zulu. Favourite, what I'd call normal film. <laughs> yeah, drama. Drama, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, yeah. yeah 110%. So, again, going to be biased, but... <laughs> <laughs> but I also brought it along because... Because it is that sort of, it is that classic, no film is without 
sin. Mm. No film is without issue. So I thought it'd be interesting to see if we could find, <laughs> either look for the, or just if we came to the conclusion that, hey, this one breaks that rule, you know, <laughs> is, the, is the, the exception that proves the rule sort of thing. Yeah. Well, I think it also does depend on what angle you look at it. You know, as I'd mentioned before, one of the things that I really liked is that it is yeah, a love letter but from one friend to another. That's the way that I interpret it. Mm. It's a true celebration of friendship. If we want to look at prison movie tropes, because again, it's a it's a subgenre that I absolutely love. This kind of has it all. Mm. It follows a lot of depictions of masculinity that we're used to, and because we're in a homosocial society yeah. of being an all male prison, yeah. it really demonstrates and explores male to male friendships mm. and relationships. So the type of dynamics that we have relate to power, mm. relate to power struggle yep. between the prisoners, I guess even between the officers, mm. and then between both of those groups mm. as well. I like, for example, that Andy is very book smart, yep. and one could argue things are a bit too easy for him because of his intelligence. Mm. He does struggle along the way. For example, he spends two years being gang-raped by a group of men who are referred to as the sisters. Mm. And he's innocent, so that's obviously a big mm. a big hurdle because now it's he needs to prove his innocence. Yeah, uh, you know there is an avenue that appears down the track of somebody who might be able to help him get out. Mm. And because he's so deep into this money laundering scheme, that's put a stop to it. Yeah, um, we see how men are institutionalized and eventually prison is all they know, and it's the safer option. Mm. You know, just. Doing what you're told, saying yes, yeah. sir, knowing the rules. The the old timers there know how to work the system. Yeah. They know how to speak to the guards. There's, you know, a difference between just simply saying yes, sir, in an obedient way versus a more smart ass way or yeah. a cocky way that could get you in trouble. One of the things I find, and I find this a lot in films that are homosocial and deal with men in a community together is a particular trope in which the fat man is always seen Mm. as the weaker Mm. and the lesser. And the fat man is always effeminized because in a patriarchal construct, women are lesser and not as strong as men. And we see that when we have the inmates come in. So the group that Andy is a part of, Mm. and we have an overweight man who is taunted by the inmates because they're all betting on him who will crack first. Hence, let's go fishing. We're going to fish and who's going to take the bait. And this man does. So weakened, in fact, that, you know, he feels like he doesn't belong there. Perhaps what his crime is, we never know. Mm. I love that we actually never know his name as well. This is how insignificant he is Mm. in the broader scheme of things. And the fact that he trembles, cries for mum, which any human does when they're feeling vulnerable because it's where we're the safest, let's be Mm. honest, is is in our mother's arms, even when you're an adult, but not going to happen in Shawshank. Mm. And he is essentially beaten to death Mm. by the guards who are trying to make sure that he toes the line. When we think about other films in which we've got a group of men and how the fat man is treated compared to the athletic man, Mm. the fat man is always the nuisance. The fat man is always the one holding people back. The fat one is always the, again, effeminized one Mm. for a reason, because in survival situations, 
when there is a woman, they tend to be the hindrance. They're slowing things down. Mm. And when we've got a group of men together, we tend to always have somebody who is chubby or overweight who takes on that role. We see it in Deliverance. We see it in Lord of the Flies as well. And I'm sure there's plenty of other movies Mm. as well. It is a survival of the fittest. And we can see it in this microcosm. Mm. Even in things where the... That man is the protagonist. Mm. You look at uh, things like Animal House. Yes. You see it in, uh, like, John Belushi's character. He's the hero of that movie, but mm. he's still a degenerate. He's yes. still a someone who is seen as lesser than the, uh, the jocks. Yes. That subverts the sort of uh, expectations, but... He never becomes the cool one. Well, no. up until maybe his uh, his little uh, subtitle at the end. <laughs> but he never really truly becomes the cool one. He's still the degenerate, the anarchist, the the troublemaker. Yeah, right through. He might not have those effeminate tendencies. Mm. But he's still not the norm. And I suppose it's always implied that, you're right, he is the lesser. He won't go on to achieve what others may achieve. Mm, mm. For example, like in the those types of, you know, college movies, <laughs> you know, we see it in Porky's, in Revenge of the Nodes, yep. all of the great classics. Um, <laughs> we can see that, yeah, the jocks are always the jokes, right? Yeah. But do we have any doubt that they won't succeed in life? Yeah. They always will. They've yeah. got daddy's money. Yeah, that's <laughs> You know, they've that's got it. looks. They've got what we idolize in society. So even in a setting such as a prison, where you are society's scum, mm. essentially, that's how these guys are made There's to feel. There is still that hierarchy. There is still that hierarchy. Mm. So I find that quite interesting as a trope. Um, you know, if we want to, say, try to find flaws, <laughs> is that it falls <laughs> yeah. into something yeah. quite similar. I mean, it would be great to, for example see somebody who is chubby rise to the ranks and actually be taken seriously and considered a strong leader Mm. as well. I mean, the way that even, you know, sex is portrayed in this film is very violent and aggressive. Mm. Now, I will suggest that that is actually quite more of the rule than the exception when it comes to prison life in terms of that affectionate and loving relationships in prison are probably kept very private and quiet because being queer is seen as a weakness, as a reason to target. Interesting on that, it's a small throwaway line, but I found it fascinating to come out of a 1990s film Mm. based in the 1940s. Mm. Andy says, would it help if I told them I'm not homosexual? Mm. And Red says, doesn't matter. You have to be human to be homosexual. Yes. So it's even implying that these people aren't even gay. They're yeah. just straight up monsters. Yeah, so it's absolutely. beyond that. Yeah. Well, I think it's quite you know well documented that a lot of people in prison who engage in sexual intercourse with people of the same sex don't identify mm, as being mm. gay. Because, again, like Red is implying, you have to be human first. And what do humans do? We feel. We need affection. It's just lovely to be touched. And men particularly, and yes, it's a generalization, but Philip, you and I are both men. You know, (laughs) tend to have a lot of strong desires and and drives, especially because these guys are young. Like, young and stupid. Yeah. 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 And I'm assuming that they're going to be in there for a really long time. Mm. And they do want affection. It's also power play. Yes, yes. It's interesting when you look at, for example, TV shows such as Oz and Prison Break, how gay relationships are depicted in those shows. They're not actually depicted as 
bad things. And what I mean by that is that men in those shows who have sex with other men aren't considered weaker. Some mm. of them are gang leaders mm. uh, so, because it's all about the power. Yeah. And I think that this is what is implied here in the Shawshank Redemption. Yes. This is one way that the sisters can hold powers. They have their desires, mm. their their sexual needs, their drives, that sort of animal instinct. Yeah. It's like the ones who are instigating uh, the ones with the, that power, the ones yeah. being having it done to them. Again, it comes back to like you were saying that sort of that feminine, yeah. that feminine role, that feminine uh, yeah. position. Exactly. It so it's almost like because Andy is not consenting to this activity, mm. he is automatically effeminized mm. because he is being penetrated mm. in these circumstances. This is all heavily implied, but we yeah. we, we yeah. know how this works. The film gives us enough to understand these dynamics because Mm. yes andy is not a willing participant Mm. and also when we think about the way that language is used we can see how andy himself where his own point of views come from there's words like bull queer to Mm. show really strong queer men and andy is the only one who uses the word homosexual yeah it is the clinical term if you like it's the it's the civilized term yes and red as well indicates that he has no problems with queer men mm. because he does say you have to be human first. Yeah. So he acknowledges that there are gay relationships within Shawshank and that they are consensual mm. and loving. The film doesn't depict these. No, no. Because it's not the story the film wants to it's tell. Telling, yeah. So another trope, and we see it in other great films as well like Escape from Alcatraz is one of my favorites where you've got men being assertive and aggressive sexually towards other men so that's something I feel like especially in a male prison is almost unavoidable Mm -hmm. it's handled pretty well here I think I think it's really showing it not as hey I'm attracted to you but it's an aggressive thing which is what rape is it's not mm, about sex yeah. it's about violence it's about control yeah. it's about power and also if you reduce someone to being nothing more than a sexual object that says a lot about you as the aggressor as mm. well that you've got this power and control to do it almost like using Andy as an example because he's seen as classy yeah. He speaks so well. The way that yeah. he carries himself as well. The first observation that Red makes about Andy to his mates, he's got a silver spoon up his ass. Yeah. Andy exudes this you know, white collar, yes. middle upper yes. class that clearly does not belong in Shawshank. Yeah. You know, he sticks out for a reason mm. and he keeps to himself and he's smart because he goes to Red and because he goes to Red wanting that little hammer for the rocks, (laughs) that little pickaxe. It's a good tie-in because he's gone to somebody who has a lot of power in Shawshank. Extraordinary because 40s, 50s, 60s says a lot because red is black. Yes. So the rules are sort of skewed almost. It's not necessarily that racism doesn't exist, but it's always about what can you do for me? As long as you're doing something for me... 
I like you. I want to tie that in now to something which I found fascinating when researching the behind the scenes of this. Mm. So, The Shawshank Redemption is the movie. Yeah. is actually an adaptation of Stephen King's Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption. Mm. So, you bring up the fact that Red is African American. <laughs> yes. In the book, he is described as white redhead and actually irish yes which is why we get the throwaway line yeah <laughs> why do they call you red maybe i must be irish it's, yeah maybe it's because i'm irish yeah, yeah. exactly which um, is gorgeous which is absolutely beautiful and it's in the movie it's seen as a bit of a joke line yeah a bit of a wink wink nudge nudge to the book of course and then it makes sense in the film because his surname is reading exactly yeah, it makes sense and the character of andy dufresne is actually he's meant to be so much shorter mm. so having him played by tim robbins who is a giant. Yeah, quite tall, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sort of match up to the book thing. Mm. But I think this is absolutely... This is what the movie version needs. Yeah. And there's been a lot of sort of, you know, look between book and movie. Mm. And I think this is one of the few times that the book to movie works so well. Mm. But it's because the movie almost turned around and said, okay... Yes, we've got this source material, and yes, we're going to... The story is almost frame for frame. Yeah, it's a strong story. Except they've added a lot. Yes. Well, I mean, the movie's almost two and a half hours. Yeah. And this is based on a novella, not yeah, even a that's novel. that's it, that's it. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think that's what the strength is. Mm. The movie's gone, okay, here's this basic story. I'm now going to expand on it. For example, the warden and the captain in the book... Mm are actually just throwaway characters almost. So in the book, they jump from Warden to Warden, sort of every era has got a new yeah. Warden. And Warden Norton is actually someone that's only briefly mentioned. Right. In the movie, they've decided because they need... And movies work better with a strong antagonist. Yeah. So they've decided to make Warden Norton and Captain Byron Hadley, played by Clancy Brown... The antagonists in the film, mm. and thus much bigger characters. Well, it means the stakes are higher. Mm. And also, like, I've actually read portions of the original text, mm-hmm. put it down because I thought it was incredibly boring, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. And I'm just like, nah, the movie is so much better, I'm not even going to bother venturing into this. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not even sure how much money laundering plays into it, it doesn't well it, 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 this makes the film so much it makes the stakes so much higher doesn't yeah, it yeah that's it yeah. that's it exactly um and another slight change is that the movie mm. is a narration right whereas the book is actually written as a memoir wow so for example a lot of the characters that we see mm. how ha- you know what their fate is you just don't even hear about it in the book. Right. You know nothing because they didn't know, so why would you know? Yeah, that's right, yeah. So that's an interesting way of telling the story. But Mm. I guess also film, because we're there, we're seeing everything, you need to go into that more detail. But I think the story is is richer for it, I think. Yeah, as I said, I tried reading the book and actually found it incredibly dull to be honest (laughs) i can't remember how far i got into it but i remember just going what is this like really and i'm a fan of stephen king's writing i've read some of his books i really love the way he writes this particular story no (laughs) i might need to revisit but i I was like yeah no not happening (laughs) yeah but there's some lovely characters in here like brooks 
the old man. Yep. He's looking after the boat and is a librarian and has been there for so long. Like, I was just thinking when he gets out of prison on parole that how much has changed in the decades he's been incarcerated. Yeah, he was... He said he was um, incarcerated in... 1905. 1905. Yes. Was it 1905 or 1912? No, 1905, and then he was the librarian from 1912. Yeah, that was it, yeah. So, yeah, imagine that going in, 1905. He even says, you know, our cars... He saw a car here or there. Yeah. But, yeah, cars wouldn't have been... A major thing. Well, like you said, now they're everywhere. Yeah, he, now they're everywhere. He doesn't know how to cross the road. Yeah. Like, he does not know how to do he it. He came from an era where roads were used for people to walk on. Yeah. To an era where the laws had changed so that roads were for cars. Yeah. It's a simple thing of not even knowing to look left and right. Yeah. Things that we would take for granted. That's it. It's I mean, insane. and Yeah. And just, like, I appreciate that, you know, you and I now live in a very technologically advanced Mm, mm. time in world history, but he's been locked away for quite a few decades. Mm. Just the technology itself would have changed a lot. The way that, you know, lights are switched on even and and the strong wattage. Yes, they had that in prison. So he would have seen some growth in technology there, but extremely limited. Mm. Even something as simple. And again, this isn't really shown in the movie, but Mm. for someone who knows how history worked. Yeah. Something as simple as how the grocers work. Yeah. So in 1912, you would have gone to your grocers. They would have, it would have been usually a single person and you would have walked into a shop that had almost everything. Mm. So, I mean, we think supermarkets have everything now. We're talking, it would have even had your your suits. Your, yeah. You would have been able to walk into a grocers and get everything, a chemist as well. It was around that sort of 1915 time that things were starting to really separate. Had specialty stores. Specialty stores. Yeah. I mean, you still had a store to go to get a suit if you wanted a good suit, but you could walk into a grocer's and grab a cheap suit. Yeah, it was kind of more like a general store, wasn't it? Yeah, that's it. Exactly. Kind of like if Kmart and Coles slammed together. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And... The idea of having several checkouts mm. just would not have been a thing back then. The idea of the supermarket, the idea of the the uh, the the, gr- the green grocers in the way that mm. we know them, you would have gone to get your groceries like that at a a marketplace, not at a yeah. corner store. You knew thing. the employees by That's name; it. they knew That's you. It. Yeah, absolutely. And just even you know, he's the bag boy in, yeah. the, in the shop. Yeah. So even just the idea of double bagging. Yeah. It's like, well, I, you know, it, it doesn't occur to him that you no, would need it. to do that because, well, when has he had to handle massive no, amounts exactly. of tins and jars and cans and things like mm. that? The practical things. That's it. One of the other things that's really reiterated about being institutionalized is that when Red gets out mm. and he keeps asking permission to go to the bathroom, yes, yes, because he's been, you know, it's been he's been trained essentially, yeah. like it's been ingrained in him, mm. is that you don't do anything unless you are told. That's the throwback to the very beginning when yes. we, when one of the uh, new inmates who we don't get to know asks mm. about when do we eat and he's told by Clancy Brown's monstrous character of when we tell you. Mm. you. You shit, you piss, you eat, you sleep. Yep. It's whenever Never we, we tell, tell you. It's about discipline, which, as the warden says... We give you that in Shawshank. Yeah. We give you discipline and the Bible. Mm. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. I th- honestly think this is a movie that anyone that is 
going into law, going into mm. law, any any position of law reform needs to watch because to me, this is still how I see, and again, I'm very naive, I get that, but this is still very much how I see modern prisons. Mm. And for me, you'll never, ever, ever get rehabilitation in the way that society wants mm. out of these sort of prisons. These prisons are for punishment, not rehabilitation, not for bringing people back into society as... This style of prison, absolutely. Like, it's not about rehabilitation mm. whatsoever. The fact that Andy expands the library mm. and, you know, educates some of these mm. men to for them to pass high school. We're not yeah. even talking college. Yeah. High school. To get the most basic of education is the most rehabilitation Shawshank Prison has ever seen. Yeah. Um, what's really interesting, and I heard this uh, a while back, was that in America... The the government, I suppose, yep. or the corrections facilities, f- yep. facilities, look at the literacy levels of, I think it's kids in year nine. Mm-hmm. And based on those outcomes, determine how many prisons they will build in the future. Yeah, that's insane. So, and that's already telling you that mentality isn't okay if kids have poor literacy. Because education is the key to Everything. Yes. This is why people in power are terrified of it. Yes. Right? Yes. And they know it. But instead of saying, okay, we need to improve the educational standards of our children so they become contributing citizens, they are self-made. They contribute to our community, to our society, to our culture. Mm. We help our neighbours. All of these lovely ideals that are enforced and pushed (laughs) by an ideology. Mm. But really what we're saying is, well, only the select ones. Yes. The ones that can't or won't or a little bit slow because maybe they've got some learning disabilities or low socioeconomics or they they can't afford the best textbooks or extra tutoring Mm. or, heck, we can't afford to pay our teachers more or put more teachers in. Yeah. All of these things. Well, we'll just put them in prison. Well, I know from at least 2006, because that's where this this statistic comes from. Yeah. 2006, 1% of America's male population were in prisons. Yeah. And they go, oh, it's only 1%, but that's a lot of people. Ameri- the United States of America has a huge, huge population. That's it. So if an entire percentage... Because, mm. like, a few years back they did this thing, and I'm going off topic slightly, but a few years back they did this big thing about asking people how much they think Australia spends on international aid. Right. And people were saying, oh, maybe 5%, maybe, mm. uh, you know, 1%. Some people said 10% and blah, 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 thinking that they were reasonable numbers. Yeah. Remembering that we also think that we spend a lot on international aid. Of course. It's only 0.05% of our uh, GDP. Yeah. Of our budget, essentially, which is still a lot of money, remembering yes. that the countries make a lot of money, but it's a it's not even a full percent. So if no. an entire full percent is in jail, that is huge. Absolutely, because what's reiterated in this film is that it is not about redemption. Mm. It is not about rehabilitation. These men are seen as lesser than. Yeah. And we spoke at the beginning of the podcast here about even within the men, there is their own hierarchy mm. as well, based on broader cultural standards and the patriarchy. But... If anything, these men, if you survive that first night, mm. if you have your friends, 
they are there for one another. Yeah. These are men who really do support one another. Mm. When Andy's asking for that beer, he knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. Again, he gave up drinking. He doesn't want it for himself. He is solidifying these friendships. He is solidifying the relationships that he has mm. with the men that he now knows he can trust. Mm. And they do trust one another. So much so, and this is probably from me in terms if I'm looking from the way Andy is written, that he's almost too perfect, overshadows Red in terms of power. Mm. So Andy is book smart. Red is street smart. Yeah. And both are at the top of their game. Yeah. At Shawshank. Whereas a lot of the other guys aren't really that street smart, aren't really that book smart. So Red and Andy are in positions of power. And they're the ones who thrive, survive, Mm. and get freedom. Yeah. So it's a microcosm of our broader world, Mm. really. And so I find that quite, I find that quite interesting. Mm. One last thing I'll sort of mention upon is something else that surprised me while researching this. Mm. This movie won no awards. No, and in fact, I believe it was a box office failure too. Yeah, yeah. To moderate success, yeah. or as they call which is a box office failure. Yeah, or, absolutely. Or barely sort of make back yes. whatever. So it was nominated for seven Academy Awards in 1995 mm. and um, uh, received two Golden Globe Award nominations. But yeah, won absolutely nothing, which to me blows my mind because as you say, this is a classic. Yeah, it's one of those sleeper hits, if you will, but mm. wasn't really a sleeper hit. Until it was released on home video, mm. more than anything. Yeah, so, okay, yeah. Yeah, so that's when it started to get noticed. I mean, the nominations itself make people go, oh, hang on, what is this what's movie? This, yeah. What is it? So that's sort of building mm. momentum there. But yeah, it wasn't really noticed that much mm. when it came out. And when we consider about how high regard we hold the Shawshank mm. Redemption, it's crazy to think that it was overlooked mm. this way. I believe it still holds the highest score on IMDb. Wow, okay. So that's pretty nifty yeah yeah no absolutely i mean it's like it's it's an exquisite film it is so tender it is beautifully made the pacing is perfect and that is so hard to say for Mm. a film that is almost two and a half hours but it really is why because the characters are so fleshed out yes the fact that this delves a lot further than the source material, that it knows what angle it wants to take, that it does use familiar conventions to its advantage. Mm. So it uses a framework that is very familiar. It uses tropes that we know, tropes that we expect, but it doesn't make them cliche-ridden. You know what I mean? When Tommy comes in as Mm -hmm. the fresh face and everyone likes him immediately, we kind of know he's doomed. Yeah, yeah. That's a trope. And his murder is really sad. Yeah. You know, because, of course, we have to stress he's got a young wife and a young girl yeah, there as yeah. well. You know, he's someone that we just want him to to get out, to do his two years and leave. But it's not going to happen. But his murder has to propel the plot forward. And when it sounds like that Andy is a has given up, has given in, that Tommy's death means, well, that's the death of his chance mm. to get out of Shawshank. He puts into fruition what he's been planning from day dot. Yeah. There's little clues throughout the film that we really, I guess, get 
retrospectively because we know how yeah. it all ends. Yeah, there's even a comment between Andy and Red when they're talking about, you know, Mexico and things like that. Mm. And it's Red who says something like, it, it, it's it's a shit pile or it's a shit drain. Yeah. To their, shit show, yeah. Yeah. It's how Andy gets that there. A, it was a shit pipe dream. A shit pipe dream. That's, that's it, it. That's it, exactly. You know? yeah. And it most certainly was. And that's how Andy got there. Yep. And yeah, you needed a little pickaxe or a little hammer. Yep. <laughs> and a yep. lot of patience yep. to get through the walls. Because it's true. To dig your way under mm. would take, what, 600 years, they say? Yeah, yep. That wasn't Andy's plan. Mm-hmm. Did it in an alternative way. Uses his interests, his knowledge yeah. to his advantage. I must admit, you look at the walls of that prison and everywhere else is like solid stone. Yeah. What do they make the inner, inner walls of? Sandstone? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like the moisture is there. Well, because I guess it's the perimeter is what we're mm, worried about. Yeah. Because let's face it, get out of, if they get out of their cell, which no one is thinking, because why would you design a prison that way? Yeah. It's not really a big deal. They're still in the prison. Yeah. The guys who successfully escaped out of Alcatraz and were believed to have drowned in the bay mm-hmm. used a spoon. Yeah. You yeah. know? Um, yes, factors because they were right on the coast and so forth or on an island. Mm. But... You know, if you've got the determination. Yeah, you've got the determination, <laughs> the mindset, and the time. You can accomplish anything. And Andy has all of those. One thing that he also has, hope. Yes. Yes. Hope is what gets him through. It's what sees him through. He believes in himself. He can no longer believe in the system, especially once Tommy is murdered. Mm. He can't. The system let him down. What are you in here for? Dodgy lawyer. Mm. You know, my lawyer was bad. Yeah. So he believes in his own abilities. He believes in his brain. We see that Andy can achieve extraordinary things. So the library, getting on side with the guards, getting his way into the warden's office, the fact that he plays that beautiful record yeah, and just gets time in the hole for it, is confined to solitary, when really for others it would have been a whole lot worse. It's because of... Andy's relationship with the guards and the warden that the sisters no longer attack him. And normally when you have close relationships with the authorities in prison, that's seen as a negative. Yeah. So Andy is very smart by giving beer or making sure that beer is given because he's like, it's not for self gain. Mm. We all benefit. Yeah. And the people who benefit are the ones who are in red circle. Yes. Red is the one in power. Yeah. Yeah. And he's very clever the way Mm. he uses the environment he's in to advance his own needs and desires. Mm. And I'm not saying that he befriends Red, you know, to be manipulative or out of any sinister reasons or anything, whether their friendship isn't genuine, but he's clever about who he selects. Yes, because yes. at when Andy begins, he probably still does believe in the system. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. He'd be like, yep, I'm getting out of here. Absolutely. Mm. But how can I make it work? And obviously you need to have friends to do mm. it. You need people watching mm. your back. Most certainly. I think a lot of the... um, You sort of mentioned in there a few little bits that made me start thinking about, like, just how well this is written. Yeah. How a lot of the language, how poetic it is. Mm. Amazingly how good it is considering they have increased it from the original source material. So they're not just, you know, going word for word. They're actually adding on their own beauty to it but also that also includes i think the cinema photography how amazing some of the shots are how some of the Mm. the theming is you have sort of similar shots um with red as you had with brooke once he gets out yeah but 
you have, like, for example, the camera pans over the guns. Yeah. But then settles on a compass. Yeah. the guns are still in the background. That's there. right, yeah. There is a lot of linking, isn't mm. there? Also, you know, the, we've got the bars at the beginning when we first meet Red. Yeah. And then we've got the bars again, just as about to leave the parole board. Yeah, and any time you go through those bars to look through to the parole, you go from bars to the door to the parole <laughs> office, yeah. you know. It's that walking through, you're in prison. You absolutely are. The film is framed quite beautifully Mm. in a narrative way and also in a cinematography way as well. It's quite exquisite. The colour palette is really lovely. And that's difficult to say for a film or an environment that is predominantly, you know, black, blues and browns and greys. I mean, who would think that a prison could be made to look beautiful it. it's really reflective of the era that mm. it's set and it almost seems like that yes while we know that decades are passing it's really set over 19 years that's how long andy is in prison for and we know that era's past because mm. we get a new pinup girl yeah yeah <laughs> you know every so often and that sort of tells us but the prison itself seems to never change. Yes. Nothing. It, it is it is stuck in time mm. while the world outside moves on. Hence, Brooks and Red's struggles to adjust. Mm. But even then, I feel the world around it doesn't change as much as you'd think. Mm. Because you go from manager changes at the grocery, but the grocery is still as it is. Still operating in a way. Still operating in the same way. The bus that picks them both up is still the exact same bus. So it's like so much has changed, yet so much is the same. Well, I suppose for us on the outside, these are all familiar things. Yes. These are routine things. But for these guys, it's alien. Yeah. It's foreign stuff. Yeah, and I, I just imagine, you know, feel like if we went to sleep for quite a few years, went to another planet for a few years and then came back, how the shift and advancement in technology would be really confronting. Yes. Wow, you can do this now. You can do that yeah, now. Yeah, I know. You, you know, you, you, things are always introduced gradually. So don't really notice them as much. It's like, oh, yeah, this is just the next thing. Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. But if you're taken away from that for so long, like we mentioned with Brooks before, just the abundance of cars mm. can be confronting. Yeah, that's it. You know, you don't know how to cross the straight. Yeah. So, Wayne, mm. obviously we both enjoyed this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'll still ask, final thoughts and score out of five. Look, this is one of the most perfect dramas I've seen. And it's a film that I've revisited quite a few times. The way that it is structured, the way that the characters interact with one another, how much depth and care is taken into the characters. The Shawshank Redemption uses familiar framing and narrative structure but it avoids being a cliche-ridden mm. movie. It uses its tropes to its advantage. Yeah. The performances are incredibly beautiful. Tim Robbins, Morgan Freeman. I love Clancy Brown as mm. well. Gil Bellows is heartbreaking <laughs> as Tommy Williams. William Sadler as Haywood is gorgeous. Mm. Just little things like his stutter tells us that he isn't the sharpest tool in the shed because he would have been just simply dismissed as a child. Yeah. you know, And we see little hints of it when they're out you know digging for rocks and he picks up horse manure he yeah. gets a rock and uh, you know pronounces the author's name as dumbass yeah uh, I, yeah I, I love haywood as a supporting character uh, i don't want to say background character because he's in the forefront but mm. someone who doesn't have like a real major yeah. plotline yeah. or anything he's always been one of my favorites and gorgeously played as well bob gunton as the warden a perfect antagonist 
like you'd alluded to as well, Philip, I think it was such a strong and wise choice mm. to stick to the one antagonist at the top of the food chain yeah. here. And he does so well mm. with it. He is incredibly intimidating. He has that wonderful hypocrisy of being a good Christian man who is incredibly corrupt mm. and does not have any interest or empathy for human life. Yeah. Yes, the men at the Shawshank prison get the Bible and they get discipline. But I wonder how good it's done to any of them. Yeah. Really, it's probably done more harm than good. Andy, though, does turn it around mm. and use it to his advantage. That Bible comes in very handy. <laughs> yeah. And his self-discipline also <laughs> comes in very handy. There's a lot of different angles and avenues you can explore with the Shawshank Redemption. We've only touched the surface of it. We haven't dug as deep as Andy did, Phil. No. <laughs> but no. we would be here for a really long time. But I think whether you enjoy this movie on a superficial level or whether you really want to dig into elements of it and look at its themes, its narrative structure, the characters, the dynamics, even explore it through the gender lens that we did at the very beginning here, the way that men interact with one another, what it says about patriarchy and the broader society. It is an incredibly rich film. It is absolutely beautiful. It is so well made mm. and it is exquisite. Five stars from me. I feel very much the same. <laughs> <laughs> I love how, as well as everything that you've said, how it almost, it's a piece of fiction. Mm. Yet it still tells a historical tale. Yeah. It talks of how things were in that era, it, it talks of how relations were and how the system was corrupt and very much probably still is. Yeah. It shows how people are people, even if you want to dehumanize them. And I honestly think it is one of the most beautiful renditions views into humanity mm-hmm. that has ever been put to film yeah again for me one of my favorite movies of all time five out of five yeah it's a very difficult film to floor really mm. isn't it mm. yeah and i'm glad that it's held in such high esteem yes you know it shows that that a box office performance doesn't mean anything that's it, does that's not it. reflect the quality of the Most movie certainly so wayne what do you have in store for us next time well, Philip, next time, if we want to talk about how a box office might not reflect the quality of a movie, that's a bit of a tick, because this is a movie that I really enjoy, but critics absolutely hate. But it is one of the most important films in the horror genre. Ooh. Yes. And it is celebrating its 40th anniversary. Nice. So we're going to review, bear with me. <laughs> Because I know how much you love horror movies. Mm-hmm. We're going to review Sean S. Cunningham's Friday the 13th. <laughs> Philip's incredibly excited. I've played the game. Is that enough? <laughs> <laughs> no, look, you keep talking about this film. So I'm excited to watch it. Yes. And we'll be able to dissect it and discuss also why it's so significant. And you're not really into horror movies Phil so for those of us who have seen a lot of horror movies we're like it's not that scary (laughs) so we'll look forward to hearing your feedback on that yeah beautiful (laughs) thank you (laughs) (laughs) you're more than welcome so Phil and until we uh, have things that go bump in the night (laughs) 
I've been a Wayne Stellini. And I've been a Philip Hunting. And, and you've just experienced Fred Watch. Cue music. Dun, 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 dun. Cut it out, Philip, or you're back in the hole. And sing. Blooper reel. So, Phil. Yes. What are we watching today? <laughs> you okay? Yeah. No, I said watching, not reviewing. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> So, Phil, it's great that we've been watching something. Try again. Take two. <laughs> Take three now. <laughs> <laughs> so, Phil, it's great that we've been watching really interesting things. What are we review? Oh, fuck me. No. Wow, well, wait, this is a link. <laughs> I know. I'm trying, to make it a, I'm trying to make it a seamless segue and failing miserably. So, Philip, we've been watching really interesting... So, Philip, we've been watching really entertaining and interesting things recently, and we've watched something really interesting and entertaining too. So, what are we reviewing today? That was horrible. That was <laughs> what you said originally was good. Was fine. Was fine. Just swap out watching for reviewing. Do you know what the thing is, though? It seemed like it was edited in because it was no clean segue. <laughs> and now it's unavoidable. That's now, but all you said was, you know, you said whatever you said, and then yeah. you're like, um, what are we. Now, Philip, what are we reviewing today? <laughs> okay. That's all you need to say. I will say it now. Yep. So, Philip, what are we reviewing today? Today, we're... <clears throat> My turn. <clears throat> Take two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Smart ass. <sighs> the, the Shawshank Redemption tells the story of banker Andy Dufresne, Tim Robbins who is sentenced to two life sentences in the Shawshank State Penitentiary. Oh, penitentiary, penitentiary, that's right. <clears throat> who is sentenced... Can you start from the beginning? Yeah, sure. Thank you. <clears throat> what was wrong with it? I just think it'll be... Sick. Yeah, sure thing. <laughs> no, no, no. That's right. No, because I, I thought there yeah. was a problem. No, 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 you were fine. Just like, more cool. of a seamless yeah, thing. Yeah, makes sense. The Shawshank Redemption tells of the story... Tells the story. The Shawshank Redemption tells the story of banker Andy Dufresne, Tim Robbins, who is sentenced to two life sentences in the Shawshank State Penitentiary for murders. The Shawshank Redemption tells the story of. Well, fuck you too. <laughs> hey, look, that thunder came at the beginning of the sentence, not at the end. Yeah, Let's yeah, be yeah. grateful. The Shawshank Redemption tells the story of banker Andy Dufresne, Tim Robbins, who is sentenced to two lives... You know what, I'll just leave it as I've written it. Yeah. The Shawshank Redemption tells the story of banker Andy Dufresne, Tim Robbins, who is sentenced to life in Shawshank State Penitentiary for the murders... The Shawshank Redemption tells the story of banker Andy Dufresne, Tim Robbins, who is sentenced to life in Shawshank State Penitentiary. Sorry, i got to break it up there. Cool. Mm -hmm. After many years, newly arrived Tim... 
After many years, newly arrived Tommy Williams, Gil Bellows, gives Andy proof of his attested innocence, after which Tommy is killed by the warden, thereby dashing any chance of Andy reopening his case. Andy, seeing that he is doomed by a corrupt system, decides to take matters into his own hands, and with the help of his latest pinup girl, he escapes through a mile of literal shit, leading a... S- Fuck! May I ask a question? Mm-hmm. Do we really need the second paragraph? Because that sort of... The entire one? Yeah. No, no, we don't really. Yeah, because I think um, that ties... With the way you've ended the first one, mm-hmm. become money laundering scheme led by the prison warden, that sets up the plot. Yeah, sure, sure. And then if I you want that. these bits here, we can discuss later. Yeah, sure thing. It's up to you. No, though, no, that works your, for me. It's that your review. Okay. Um, but Did you want me to go mm-hmm. through it one more time, or are you happy? No, you read that first para really well. So yep. It's up to you if you want to do the lead-in, or mm. if you feel like it's easier to do the whole thing and then just no, throw no, it no, at me. No, 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 <laughs> You don't want to torture yourself no, or me. <laughs> Wayne, what did you think of the riveting... No, that's the leading question. That that's is the leading question. Yeah. That's horrible. <laughs> Wayne, as the rain rolls in, what was your thoughts... <laughs> not going to get picked up on the mic, Phil. No. Oh, you'd be surprised. Okay. You ready? No. <laughs> Is that the reins are here? No, no. <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs> Professional face. Professional face. Okay. Podcast. No. And we... Suppose, or I suppose things like that are always suggest. That's horrible. Well, I think a lot of people who are in prison who engage in same sex Mm. activity in terms of. Oh, that sounds horrible. So, I mean, having him. Um, having him being played by. I'm sorry. Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins. I should add that faster. They've decided to make him and the captain, um, played by. Sorry. Um, him and Captain. So that's a commentary in itself. Mm. If we look at this film presenting a microcosm, kism. Microcosm. I don't know what you're trying to say. It's like a small representation of something. Yeah, micro microcosm. Yeah. <laughs>